Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Canon Thinks podcast. Today, I have a special guest on. Her name is Natalie, and she runs her own podcast as well as a website. So, Natalie, welcome to the show, and can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, thanks for having me today. Um, yeah, a little bit about me is I am a conscious life coach currently, and I run the website myserenity.com. It's a website that facilitates um, a more conscious sort of life coaching approach. We don't just go in and, and you know, make a list for you, we actually help you find out some deeper things that are going on and help you overcome challenges. And we run a pretty cool podcast on the side called Stoned and Social. Right now we're going by Stoned and Socially Distant. Um, And it's where we, again, talk about the conscious use of cannabis. And we kind of get really goofy on that podcast. That's kind of our fun thing to do. Yeah, it says on your website that you guys sometimes will even get stoned while you're doing the podcast. We try to we try to do the podcast stoned and we tell our listeners, you know, what we're stoned on and then we crown a munchie of the week. It's a whole um, <laughs> it's a good way to relax. That's awesome. for us. So what do you mean by because you said conscious a couple of times. So would you like what does conscious life coach actually mean? So I've always liked helping people and I used to be what I like to say is a cog in the machine. Um, I had a really high power, stressful job that was making me physically ill because it was so stressful and I didn't realize that was the cause of it. And once I started to get into why I was sick and how it was affecting, you know, my, my mental agility and just my fatigue overall, I realized, you know, more so like, oh my gosh, everything is actually really connected. My mind is overworked and so it's making my body sick. And so for our coaching approach what we do is we try to coach you as a whole person we try to coach you as mind body and spirit and not just whatever one issue seems to be because a lot of people come to us with one thing and then once we start digging deep and we work with people for a few weeks we realize it's it's all connected there's probably some other things going on that they didn't think about right so taking a holistic approach to healing people Mm -hmm. absolutely so what are some of the methods that you use Well, we've designed a couple of methods on our own. Um, We use the SMART goal method as well, um, which is just a generic goal setting method to help people reach goals. We've also designed our own um, methods, which we we call the soul search. And what that does is it breaks down, like I said, the issues that you're facing, but then we try to just peel back the layers on that and get a little bit deeper. We like to get to the core of all the issues and for a lot of people they they say they're ready to do that and then when we start going deep they you know they have these epiphanies and they have these sort of life-changing thought process that happens where they realize oh my gosh you know I like me I thought it was just me being sick but really it's my job and maybe it's the kind of work that I'm doing that is making me feel you know bad the way that I feel now. Yeah, sometimes it's the stuff that you don't even realize is being a problem in your life. And that's what's causing the most stress or, or other problems. Like they, mm-hmm. they kind of roll. It's like a, a snowball going down a hill. It just gets bigger and bigger Absolutely. until you don't even realize what it started from. <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, right now we're, we were working with a client who is was having headaches and not feeling well and having problems with relationships because we do intimacy coaching as well. And we found out that this client is a divorce attorney 
And so ended up, you know, it's kind of one of those things where if you're, if you're surrounded by people who are angry and kind of, you know, hate each other and are fighting over Fabergé eggs, yeah. uh, then you might, you might be picking up some of that. And so that might be, you know, we, we were thinking maybe that might be a, a possibility of why they were having, you know, issues finding a compatible relationship and things like that. And a lot of it has to do with the things they've seen and the experience in their work is that they're using other people's trauma, so to speak, also as a shield for themselves. Yeah, that's got to be tough when you're working with people who fight all day. So how did yeah, you get yeah. into this stuff? Um, I kind of just did it like I did everything else. I kind of tumbled into it. Um, like I said, I myself um, was sick for about uh, seven or eight years. I was convinced, you know, you go to WebMD, you type in all your symptoms, and it's always cancer. It's always cancer. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter what it is. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I have some sort of cancer. And um, they were like, you know, you're kind of making yourself sick. You know, they were like, are you stressed? Are you anxious? And I was like, no, I'm a go with the flow person. I'm a, I'm an et cetera. And so I had to recognize that I was a type A person and my job was kind of making me hypersensitive to being in control of everything and needing to control everything. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people who, when I go on vacations, I write an <laughs> I write an itinerary of everything I'm going to do by the hour every day. Oh, you're one of those and, people. Yeah, one, <laughs> I was one of those people. And so um, for me, that was normal. And it wasn't until I started to work with my own life coach and also just sort of sit with myself and you know, get real, ask myself some real hard questions that I might not have really wanted the answer to. And so I left my six figure job to kind of go off on this endeavor. And I've really enjoyed everything I've uncovered in the process. And I've enjoyed all the people I've met. And this is so much more fulfilling for me than than anything. So I kind of just paid it forward. You know, I worked with a life coach who helped me become more aware of myself. And then I went and got licensed as a as a health and wellness life coach so that I could help other people. How, so how does that um, help your life? Like you said that it's more fulfilled now because I've I've kind of been doing the same thing in my life where I was working a nine to five job and I just have realized it's, it's forced me to realize just how pointless that is and how mm -hmm. it's not really helping anybody and it's not helping the world and yep. I could be doing so much <laughs> things. Yeah. So yeah. it must've been tough for you to leave a hundred thousand dollar or a six figure <laughs> job, you know, yeah. cause I don't make close to that, but it's almost like, well, I can't do this anymore. I got to leave. Yeah. And it was one of those things where for me, I was raised in an environment, you know, my dad was very work oriented and my, my mom also, but my dad was always, you know, telling me that, you know, money makes the world go round and this is what matters most. And um, basically you're not anything without money. And we were very fortunate growing up. We were upper middle class. And so that's what I did. The moment I got out of high school, I chased money. Mm -hmm. And that, that was my goal. I wanted to have as much money as I could because I was one of those people who was like, ah, ha, ha, you know, people say money can't buy happiness. They're just not buying the right things. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, I kept being like, why aren't I happy? I'm making all of this money. I'm getting to travel for work. I'm getting to do everything I set you know, I set for myself in goals. I'm getting to do everything. I've checked every box on my list. So why the heck aren't I happy? And it was because the work I was doing, like you said, it wasn't really making a difference. I used to write for, um, I used to write for a magazine that covered celebrity gossip. 
And so that in of itself, you know, I went to school for writing. And so I thought, yeah, this is, this is fine. I'm using my degree. It's, it's fine. Um, but it wasn't really fulfilling work, you know, gossiping about people isn't really doing anything to sort of help the world be a better place. And it really just changed my whole viewpoint when I decided to switch careers. Um, and unfortunately about, I guess it's been like five or six weeks now, my whole entire house burned down and I lost Whoa. everything. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it was like, you know, it was right at the beginning of all the lockdown and the pandemic and everything. And a lot of my friends don't really understand how I'm at this place that I'm at now because they've, they're so used to me being focused on money. And mm -hmm. this has been something I've been changing over the last four or five years. And so there's still kind of, some of my friends just flat out don't want to talk to me anymore because I'm not about those things anymore. And that's fine if that's how they feel. But for me, I watched all my stuff burn down in my house last month and I feel like in the past, I would have lost my shit. I would have been a mess. But for me, I was like, it's just stuff. Like, at the end of the day, it's yeah. just stuff. Well, the you reason can always that buy you probably would have been uh, more worried about your house burning down in the past is because you were chasing that money. That's mm -hmm. a very scarcity-driven reason to do things. You're, you're always yep. scared of losing things rather than uh, just going after things that actually give you fulfillment and actually are fun, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for me, it wasn't like, an, you know, it wasn't like a whole, you know, 180 over, you know, one night. It, it's been a series of small sort of decisions and lifestyle changes that I've made that have got me to where I am. Um, I don't even give gifts anymore. I love giving gifts. And people like buying me things, but I never, I'm one of those people where if you buy me something, I probably can buy it for myself. So I don't really like gifts. So I like to give experiences now. So I like to give tickets to things or plan oh, trips cool. with my friends or things like that, because the memories are going to, you know, it sounds cheesy, but the memories are going to mm -hmm. be way more, you know, wor worthwhile than any sort of thing with a receipt. Oh, definitely. In my opinion. Plus, I mean... Mm -hmm. In 20 years, what are they going to remember? That thing that you bought them or that yeah. experience that you went on? Exactly, exactly. So what if transitioning to your newer job, how does, like, do you still make money off of that? I do. I do. I don't make, obviously I don't make six figures. I'm not one of those um, life coaches. I do professionally speak as well. So I do pick up some extra income with empowerment speaking and alternative lifestyle speakings and, and a couple of other things that I've got my fingers in. I do marketing as well still. Um, but for me, my passion lies in writing and talking about kind of just how we all as a collective can do better than what we're doing now and how Definitely. we can do better on a small scale individually and on a you know large scale as you know as you're seeing right now happening yeah because corona is kind of forcing people to to just reassess what are their actual values and beliefs mm -hmm. and giving people more time rather than sitting at work all day to actually do Absolutely. some of the better things in their life and improve their life Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you, if you, if you were paying attention, and if you believe in this, and if you follow this, all the virus has done is sort of expose America for, yeah. you know, the, the, the capitalist driven um, country that we are, because right now it's, it's in flux, we have a really really pivotal point right now in history we are making history right now we are a part of history we can make some really 
big changes right now that will affect generations to come. And we can make really good decisions or we can keep doing things the way we've always done things and we will end back up here again. I, I believe it because we, we don't seem to learn from our own history. We keep seeing you know, making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And so this seems like a really pivotal time for everyone collectively, you know, the people in charge and the pyramid below that and all of us under that, we have a really big chance here to sort of look inward and try and figure out what is really important in this country and what can we do to strengthen ourselves as a country. Absolutely. Because a lot of my generation, Gen Z, we've already been fed up with everything for a long time. Mm -hmm. But this is like, the extra push that we all needed to really say through the system and we're tired of this crap. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who was like, Oh, it would have been great in like the sixties or seventies. I loved mm -hmm. the protesting that happened. And I feel like we have a lot of slacktivism going on, you know, in our generation. <laughs> and so it would be really good if we could stand up. I'm, I'm in Washington DC. And so anytime there's a protest or there's something, a cause that I believe in that comes through, I try to make sure I'm there for it and that I'm participating at whatever level I'm comfortable with. But it seems like a lot of people are too scared to participate or too lazy to participate and this is not the time to be lazy about what's going on about what's happening this is the time to really sit back and take stock of like you said what what's important to you and what you can do to help change the world because a nine to five that you don't enjoy uh will suck your soul it will suck yeah. your soul out it will make you feel like what is the point it's kind of like a groundhog day effect yeah and then 40 years will go by and you won't even know like why did i mm -hmm. do this my whole life what was the yeah, point? that's that's where quarter life crises are a real thing. You know, um, I started asking myself around uh, 26, 27, what am I doing? Why am I, you know, is this really what I, what I want to do? And I kind of just tapped those voices down like, shh, you're getting money, you're getting paid. <laughs> what more do you want? Um, and it's hard. It's hard to, to say, like, you know, what I want doesn't have to doesn't have to do with money or doesn't have to do with what the general you know public wants or you know something yeah. like well, that it's, it's and so, definitely hard to go against society when society really is telling you that all you should do is chase money and get that bag it really is and because we've put such you know money has energy and because it, it's it's worthless until we give it worth and so money has a lot of energy around it and we've structured things to sort of be where if you don't have money then you do not have a good life here and so that's it's kind of a chicken egg thing right now where we've made money so entirely important that that's all anyone wants to chase because that's the only way people think they can have a happy life right now and that's kind of sad it is and going back to what you were talking about with the protesting is the government has done a really good job of telling people that or giving people options to do things that just occupy your mind. So like playing mm -hmm. video games or watching movies mm -hmm. or Twitter and yep. you just sit on there all day. And instead of yep. actually trying to improve your situation, you just enjoy your media content that they're just going to yep. keep giving you, keep giving you booze and just like, okay, here's your life. Oh, yes. Like, <laughs> hope you don't complain too hard or else we'll just oh my gosh you've got their manual you've got their secret manual yeah. <laughs> exactly um and and you know i'm not knocking anyone who's still in that stage of their lives because i was that was me i Same. used to i was an avid gamer um i you know for me 
it wasn't even I didn't recognize it as escapism I was like this is what I'm doing with my free time this is how I'm relaxing but when you take a step back you're not really relaxing and even in a lot of the games we play we're only doing it for reward system we're doing it so we can get another level or so we can get more armor or so we can get better loot or so we can exactly if it's the same thing as if you were at the casino it's the same area in your brain that lights up and after a while what happens is your mind starts to not be satisfied with that reward and so you got to chase even more you got to play even right so when you're when you're playing video games or when you're doing anything else what happens is your mind because of the reward system it's just like gambling your mind sort of gets used to it and you need even more to feel like you're getting that same effect of that that high that you're so you're constantly chasing that high and that's what they want us to be doing they want us to be distracted and numb so that we're not really paying attention to all the other things that are going on that we could be doing something about that we do have a voice in do you think that's what they're doing with cannabis now absolutely and the thing is in a few years cannabis will be legal everywhere but it will be tax to hell because right now that's the issue as soon as the government you know has the time to sit down and figure out and crunch the numbers about how much money they can make off of cannabis it will be everywhere it will be everywhere they're doing it slowly right now and i think this is kind of like a testing process but once they realize that oh this thing that we've been telling everyone is really bad for a long time is actually not that bad and we can make money off of it it will be legal um and that's kind of when you're going to need to watch out for it even more is once it's legal oh, yeah. everywhere yeah you're going to need to watch out for gonna, it more because what they've been doing lately is making those like dab pens with super mm-hmm. super high THC, that yeah, is the no. best way to subdue the masses right there. It's exactly. just give them those dab pens and they'll just sit in their house and eat like chips all day. They're not yep. gonna protest. Nope. <laughs> you can't you, you can't really protest when you're stoned. And that's another reason why I prefer cannabis over alcohol is because, you know, a lot of people if you've ever drank and you've ever drank to excess, you have a story about something stupid you did mm-hmm. while you were drunk, something you regretted, something you said. There's a lot of ways that, you know, it's it literally is called spirits for a reason. Um, it, it brings out some of the worst qualities in us at times and we don't realize it. But because it's legal and because it's everywhere it's it's an easy addiction to get your hands on and so cannabis you never hear about anyone going out and you know wrecking cars or doing anything else while they're stoned because when you're high you don't really want to do anything you want to just chill out and relax but like everything else there's a balance so i try to use cannabis consciously which means i don't use cannabis every day and i don't use cannabis to the point of where i just you know don't want to remember things don't want to act right Um, I use it to sort of mellow out and sleep at night or if I'm reading I use it to sort of relax more but I don't I try not to get to excess because I see the things that are like 200 and 500 milligrams of THC and I'm like whoa like that's something that's just gonna check your mind you know get to the back of the line and everything else is sort of just foggy in front of you and that's I think you're right you know making it in that high quantity and that high that's what people are about they're like well if I can get high how high can I get but I don't think that's the point of cannabis and if you're using it like that that's exactly what they're counting on is that you're going to use it like that and then you're going to get hooked on that feeling and you're back in the same cycle again just with cannabis yeah and especially if you start using it too young if you're using in your high school Mm. years 
you yeah, will screw no. up your entire life. Yeah, and we and we say that, you know, I didn't try cannabis until I was a 20. And then I was just like, oh, because the only way to do it was to smoke. And I was like, gross. And so I'm an edibles person and I make my mm. own edibles. And so, um, for me, I, you know, I know, I know a guy who grows. And so I know exactly where my cannabis comes from. Like I can go look at my cannabis and be like, okay, I want that plant. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can take it with me and then do what I want with it. But it's one of those things where if you don't know what's in it and you don't know everything, you know, that's happening to your, to your weed or whatever, you could end up with something that you're not really ready for. You know, people are still lacing things and also if you're trying to just go for the highest, you know, THC level you can get, I feel like you're missing out on a really good experience with cannabis. I feel like that's an abuse of cannabis. And yeah. I mean, um, cause even alcohol just once in a while and same with cannabis, if you use it mm -hmm. just for fun or in the right circumstance, definitely a yeah. good use. I had a buddy, uh, my old roommate, the first time he ever did an edible, he did like 200 milligrams at once. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and he clocked out for like 16 hours mm -hmm, and he mm -hmm. was like tripping real hard. And I was like, oh my gosh, this idiot. Like you, you gotta, you gotta Google things before you just pop them in your mouth. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and if you've never, I always tell people, if you've never had cannabis, you want to start out small um, and then work your way up, yeah. start with like five milligrams and then go from there. It's like um, one of the it's like anything you, you, you don't have a tolerance for it. So don't go, you wouldn't get in a car and drive, you know, put the pedal to the metal and go 140 miles per hour. If you just got your learner's permit, I mean, you might, if you're stupid, but you shouldn't, <laughs> it's not advisable. You know, my friend brought back some edibles when I was getting into them and starting to really get on this cannabis journey. Um, I call myself Cali sober now because this is what I do. Um, I didn't realize that the little treats that she had were THC treats. And so I had five mm -hmm. of them and she was like, I, she was like, Oh my God, are you still eating those? I was like, yeah, they're really good. She's like, Oh my God, Natalie, they, they each have 15 milligrams oh, of THC in them. And I was like, is that a lot? And she's like, you had five of them. <laughs> and I was like, okay what's that yeah. mean she's like oh my god and like i that night you know my my friends and my husband they were like i think you're going to be the first person to ever od on <laughs> on weed i couldn't get off the couch i wanted to i was like guys i can't move so you really do want to be careful when you're using cannabis especially when you're first starting out um and there's there's no race there's nowhere to go you know this no. is all for you so you're not impressing there's no award for the <laughs> the most thc smoked so don't don't try to win any contest. Yeah, not unless you're vaping it with some teenagers, but. <laughs> <laughs> but again, teens, drugs are bad for you until you get to be a certain age because yeah. your brain isn't done forming. It's not that we don't want you to do the cool stuff. We just want to make sure that your your brain is fully formed and you've got all those functions you need before you start, you know, getting in there and tweaking things. Yeah, and it's much better once you're around 21, 22, like when you're probably yeah. a junior, senior in college that's a good time to start using that stuff. Mm -hmm. Plus you'll exactly. earn it a little bit more rather than just like a reward. Cause yeah. Cause it's, I don't know, like life is definitely hard at any point, but some of the hardest mm -hmm. time for a regular person who doesn't have too much problems with their life is probably going to be the end of college because that's right. when it really gets tough. So you might yeah. need a smoke here and there. 
Yeah, and that's when you're starting to, that's when hopefully you're starting to ask those questions like, you know, where am I going? Yeah. What do I want to do? Um, you know, where do I want to put my energy? That's a big thing for me is sometimes I'll, I'll see my friends, you know, getting in, you know, getting their panties in a bunch about certain things <laughs> or about people or about the way things are. And I have to, you know, I step back and I'm like, is that really like what you want to waste your energy on? You know, like, is that worth your time? What's the outcome of this going to be? That's my big thing is what, what do you perceive the outcome of certain situations to be? And if the outcome seems like it's not going to change much or you're not going to have that much of an effect, then like move on from it. Because right now, for all we know, we only get one go round on this ride. And I want to make sure that I see everything. I do everything. I talk to all the people and I do, you know, I do all the things. That's my thing. I want to experience as much as I can. Um, and for me, a big thing was I wanted to travel to every continent before I was 30. And so I was fortunate enough to be able to to do it to go um and my last one was was antarctica and that was the most trippiest experience i've ever had there was no drugs involved um it was just one of those surreal sort of moments yeah. where i was like oh my gosh like where the heck am i like this is i wanted to do this but like gives me the heebie-jeebies honestly it was scary it, was, yeah. it sounds silly it was scary you know what was the scariest thing for me about being in mm. antarctica for two weeks the silence it's so oh, quiet yeah. it's so creepily quiet that you, you can hear wind. everything you get wind and because we were on a boat and we were you know going through the the ice the ice the sheets of ice we could hear it scraping along the side of the boat so it would just sound like someone was ripping the boat open and i was like oh my gosh like i made a horrible decision yeah i hate that that sound sounds terrible <laughs> i can't imagine what those crazy people were doing back in the 1900s when they're like all right we're gonna take a boat and we're just gonna go down there and see what's down there yeah we're just gonna go for as long as we can see and see what like that just sounds terrifying like i i love like i have an i have an affinity for pirates and Same. i love all things <laughs> i love all things pirates um but i also and i and, and i like to believe that like yeah i would have been a badass pirate captain <laughs> but i also know that no i'm really bad at directions so i would have gotten us <laughs> lost and i'm so so scared of like just being in the middle of nowhere i don't think that i was built to be like a, a voyager you know to be to be the one in the front line going out finding new places to experience and i learned that when i went to antarctica i was like okay this is not for me so where did you go in antarctica um i went with national geographic and so we just sort of we hit a couple of spots we kind of went in a great big circle and we weren't really allowed to get off the boat except a few times uh, we were studying some of the penguins out there we were out there during their molting season and stuff and so um, we were tagging um, penguins and, you know, checking penguins that had tags to see, like, their status and where they were. Mm. It was, a, it was again, cool. it's one of those things where it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and um, I don't think I'll do it again, but I'm really glad that I got to. to do it. You've yeah, I don't it. need so to. I've seen it. I've, yeah. It's off. I've checked it it's off. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, well, you know, it might oh, yeah, be going. <laughs> yeah, it might be going somewhere. Yeah, some of those some of those icebergs are <laughs> really going somewhere. Well, I mean, we can go visit once it's a tropical island when the world is <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Won't be too long. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh. talking earlier just about the sounds of the world, um, I watched Interstellar a couple days ago, and Ooh, I've seen it like movie. seven times already. But while I was watching it, that reminds me of there's a scene where they're on the 
the spacecraft going through space and he's listening to the sounds of earth like he's listening to the trees and the wind and birds chirping while he's in outer space because all they hear out there is like the void of space which is really creepy and that's Mm-hmm. that's Yeah. probably what i would do if i was in antarctica i'd be listening to some other sounds <laughs> yeah, I was I was like, oh my god, don't die on me, iPod. I need you right now. Um it's it's kind of interesting because I don't know if you've read, but because of the lockdown and everything happening with the pandemic, they were saying the earth is vibrating less because we're moving less. There's not a lot of people on the road. There's not a lot of people outside. And so they're actually able to get some really cool readings from the earth right now because we're not making as much noise. What kind of readings? Um, I think they're looking at like seismic readings and things like that. Um, now that we're not, it's mainly um, that we, we drive. And so I think that the fact that we're not moving with our cars, which calls a lot of, a lot of noise and things that right now they're able to get like, I guess just, they were saying just readings from deeper into the earth than they have before, because there's not so much, you know, ambient noise from us making all this noise right now. So you're saying the earth isn't vibing right now. It, the, you know what? I think the earth told <laughs> us it wasn't vibing right now. I think it was pretty clear it wasn't vibing right yeah, now, I but think yeah. the earth is pretty pissed at us. If, if the earth is conscious, which it might be, I mean, who knows? Mm -hmm. And it definitely hates us, or at least it's a little bit pissed. Well, I think it's one of those things where, you know, we've, I, oh, I feel bad saying this. I, I am one of those people who is, I'm very anal about litter and I'm, you know, I do beach cleanups every year. I really, really love the environment. I am, again, I think I would have been great in the sixties or seventies. And so I hate seeing people litter and I will stop strangers and tell them, Hey, pick that up. You littered. Um, and a lot of the times people will say, well, oh, it's just like, what? It's just me. Who cares? I'm just one person. But if you have, a billion people going eh, it's just me I'm just one person and you have all this trash building up guess what again collectively we are more than one person and that's why they're finding microplastic right now at the bottom of the ocean floor where it's been carried is because we have so many we pollute so much that we don't realize that we that we're polluting we've kind of tricked ourselves into believing that we're not doing as much damage as we really are and this is again kind of one of those things where we have the time to sit and realize that hey we might be doing a lot of damage right now that's why there's microplastic in the ocean um they just found 1.9 million pieces in just one square meter in the mediterranean um last week Wow, that's crazy. and so Yeah, and that's what's worse about that is we're not just polluting the ocean, but you've got to think. So in that in that 1.9 million pieces, you've got some fish eating it, you've got coral reacting to it, um, and then we eat those fish, and Mm hmm then we get sick because we're also consuming microplastic. And so it's it's one of those things where we're messing up the the biodiversity in the ocean. all because we, we want to make things out of certain plastics. And so I think really need to start waking up about what we're doing because we only have this one planet. We, we really do. Yeah, because they always talk about <laughs> going to Mars and stuff, and we're it's not like, going to Mars. look, dog, <laughs> they don't even have enough <laughs> gravity to keep us alive I know. out there. So, like, our bones I, I know. will decompress out there, so it's not even worth it, man.
And it, I don't even think we deserve it. No. I mean, Mars no, we, sucks. There's nothing there. There's not there's even nothing like McDonald's there. there. But what I just don't think, there might be. Um, I just don't think that if we screw up this planet, we just go, ah, we'll get it right next time. We'll get a different planet. Um, I don't think that's how it works. We are in a very unique situation where we don't really know why we're here, what's caused this, um, you know, what kind of, you know, I don't want to get too existential here, but like we are a speck. Yeah. You know, we are a speck in the grand scheme of things of of the galaxy and of the meaning of everything. We're so we're so small and we don't really recognize that. And so our backup plan is well, we mess up this planet. Let's go see if we can find another one. I just don't think we have the lessons that we need right now to sort of move on to somewhere else. And I just think that's totally unrealistic as well. Yeah, and it's kind of missing the point. The point is that yeah. we should be fixing everything here because this is the world that we have. and This is ours. Yeah, and it's like we, regardless, either we were evolved perfectly for this world, like maybe an atheist point of view, or maybe from a God perspective, it's like God created this planet for us. So we shouldn't destroy it and then just move on. Like, what does that show about our entire species? That'll just show I've... that we're like this terrible... Yeah. Um, abusive species exactly i don't think that we have really learned the lessons that we think we've learned no. to be able to have you know a sort of backup plan of you know earth too and also this is where we are right now we can't even get people to the moon as easily as we can so like any i'm such a space geek but any attempt to sort of move to another planet and have a colony somewhere else it's just it's, it's too fantastical now because we wasted all that time in the dark ages. So we're, we're stuck here, guys. This is where we are. This is our place. Let's make the best of it right now because this is all we got. This is it. You would think that since ancient Greece 2000 years ago, where they were asking a lot of those um, like really deep philosophical questions that we still ask today, you would think that things would have changed, but really outside of our technology getting better, the shit that they were going through back then is the same same thing same thing exactly and it's kind of weird when you think about it because um this is this is why i said i don't really think we learn our lessons i don't really think that we um we learn from history we just kind of repeat it just in a little different nuanced way depending mm -hmm. on what time period we're in um but we you notice we don't have any philosophers anymore we don't have any great philosophers of our time we have we have you know kanye. social influencers yeah exactly <laughs> we have kanye and his shitty yeezys well, i hate those we do years. have philosophers we do have modern philosophers like uh david bentonar and some other like big ones mm. from the 90s but we don't have the problem with that is they just don't have as much social influence like you were saying yeah exactly and it's one it's they do have social influence but i think you know the the audience is sort of missing the point in what a lot of people say and it's it's too scary for a lot of people i think to really 
dig in there and think things like, oh my gosh, what I'm doing and like going to the mall or what car I drive or whatever. None of that shit matters in the grand scheme of things. You know, when I die, God forbid, I want people to remember me and what I did. I don't want them to remember the things I had or, you know, my house or anything like that. Yeah. It's, it's, that's not what people are going to be standing there. I hope (laughs) saying about me. Um, And so you really got to stand back and ask yourself, again like what what am i doing here what's important and what kind of what kind of legacy am i hoping to leave behind you know i'm not going to have any kids but i want to leave a legacy through other people through lives that i have touched of people um yeah. and that's what i'm hoping but i'm not going to get that doing what i was doing before which was chasing that money chasing that dollar that's not really going to help me get yeah, there yeah i mean you, like they always say you, you take the coin to the grave um, exactly <laughs> and when you're talking about legacy it for me i mean legacy of the course is important and the way that you said it, i liked is, is like maybe not legacy in terms of achievements but almost just how you've impacted other people that's a really good way of looking at legacy uh, for me it's almost how can i just live a life where if i'm on my deathbed and it's like if this is the only shot i if this is the only time that mm-hmm. i had to live did i at least do okay <laughs> And as long as I'm like, yeah, it was fine, then I'll be happy. But if I, the only way for me to get to that point would be through not working 40 years doing the same stupid desk job. That's for sure. Yeah. And um, I think it's one of those things where, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it's structured like that. It's so many things are structured where you need to just grind, grind, grind for the majority of your life and then hope that Social Security covers you. And as we can see what's happening right now with Social Security, um, I'm not I'm not a fan of Social Security. I don't believe in Social Security. I'm not counting on Social Security. Um, I don't think it's going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's going to be there when I need it. And so for me, I'm sort of in the mindset of like you, I want to look back and I don't like saying have no regrets because um, everyone has regrets. But I like to sort of frame regrets as what lesson did I learn Mm -hmm. here? You know, even with my house fire, you know, I didn't want to get too upset. My lesson was, shit, I should have had renter's insurance because I did have it for a bit. But Uh, then I was like, eh, I don't need it. And then this is what happened. And so rather than focus on just the negative, I wanted to sort of, there's a lesson in everything and everything good or bad, there is a lesson to be learned. And so as long as you are able to sort of take a step back and look at that lesson and try and think, what, what did I learn? What did I gain from this? I think you'll, you'll always be one step of, ahead of most people because a lot of people are stuck. What I find that I work with are either stuck in the future or they're stuck in the past and it's really hard for them to just be here now. Um, and it's, it's even hard for me sometimes to be here now sure. and if you're watching the news, that's definitely, you know, I try not to consume too much news. I have a day off of news on Fridays where I don't check the news. I don't look at Google. I don't, I try to stay away from things. Yeah. It can, it can really start bringing you down. You can get stuck in that cycle. But if you're stuck thinking about something that already happened, that you have no ability to change whatsoever and something that is yet to happen, which again, you don't have a guarantee that you have an ability to change. You are missing out on everything that's going on right now. And this is where you can make the most impact is right now. Yeah, absolutely. And you were talking about 
how everything in our life, the good and the bad, can be both uh, rewards for whatever we've been doing or challenges in our life for us to learn lessons. And mm -hmm. that was something interesting that actually came up, comes up in the Michael Jordan documentary that's airing right now that I'm watching. Oh, I'm watching the last that. Dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he talks about because his dad died um, halfway through his base basketball career, and that's when he decided mm -hmm. to go do baseball. And it was actually really interesting him talking about his dad because he didn't he wouldn't tear up during it or anything. He he basically just said that my dad taught me that every challenge in life can be used as an opportunity to learn a lesson. Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm using that to learn a lesson that, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but there's a bunch of specific things to his life that he talked about. And he did not hold any anger about his dad dying yeah. young or anything like that. He just said, you know, my dad told me that I should go pursue other things because at the time he mm -hmm. was really tired of playing basketball. That was after his third championship. So he went and played baseball. And had his dad mm -hmm. not died, he probably wouldn't have done that. Or maybe he would have. Exactly. Yeah, it would have just been different. different. Yeah. And yeah. It, was, it made Jordan a great, it made him even better because he went off and did three more rings after that. Exactly. I think that's, and that's kind of, you know, we're, we're shaping, if you have kids or you have an influence in, in the generations to come, it's really imperative that you help them understand that, you know, the world is ever changing and you have to change with it or you're going to be unhappy. You know, my, my dad passed away young um, and he was also, like I said, all about that money. But in the last few years of his life, it's kind of like he had some kind of I don't know. He had some experience and something changed and I saw him change and he kept telling me over and over, um, you know, I won't always be here. I won't always be here to help you. You have to make sure that you're able to do these things yourself. You have to make sure that you're able to take care of yourself. Um, I won't always be here. It was one of those things where, you know, I never liked hearing that, but I kept being like, oh, I don't say that. Like, yeah, you'll, but you know, it's true. Right. He, he's not always going to be here. And some of the lessons he taught me helped me to get to where I am today because I am really hard-headed. I'm really stubborn <laughs> and I'm really driven. You know, I don't give up. I don't mind challenges. For me, a challenge just means I'm going to enjoy the reward even more. I'm not one of those people who backs down from challenge. Um, and I learned that, you know, through some hardships through my life, but they've made me better. I could have been broken. I could have been upset. I could have blamed, you know, the world. That was a big thing of mine when I was younger. Why is this happening to me? Why me? Why are these things always happening? to me but nothing is happening to us everything is happening around us and the only thing that we have is our reaction to those things and so mm -hmm. if something good or bad happens it's not it's not happening to you it's happening around you and you perceive that as good or bad and then you have a reaction that matches what you're perceiving and so that's why if you go to a concert with someone, I always say this, I'm very short. I like to be in the front. For me, I will have a very different concert experience than someone who is very tall and doesn't matter where they stand because they will see things differently than I will. So we can be at the same concert, but one of us can have an amazing time and one of us cannot because we're having different reactions to the same experience, the same thing that's mm. happening around us. We're both perceiving it different. True, because if you're standing behind someone who's way taller than you and they won't let you mm -hmm. go in front of them, <laughs> yeah, you'll yep. just hate the entire experience. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even at a really good concert. Exactly. That and that's happened to me sometimes where I've been like, mm. ugh, but um now I know get there early if I want to be in the front. Yeah. That's my lesson. <laughs> get there early. I am four ten. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so you gotta be on the front row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or be on someone's shoulders. 
or make friends with the tall people. I try to go. always make friends with the tall people in front of me. See, I'm, I'm like, six hey. foot tall, but even then, I still. It seems like there's always guys who are six foot four just that taller. end up in front of me. Yeah, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, I gotta head off to work, but I really okay. love talking to you today, and I'd love to do another podcast with you or or something yeah. like that in the future. That'd be great. Yeah, and maybe you can come check out our podcast. Maybe you can uh, guest on oh, our po podcast. Definitely. It's pretty goofy, yeah. so like <laughs> maybe I'll light up here at my house and then join you. Over yeah, that would be great. Some of, some of our guests are stoned, and so uh, <laughs> if you if you'll have us, we'll have you. Yeah. No. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> okay, it was great chatting with you. Sure.